0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast Nation. This is the HIMSS 2021 Global Conference Summary Episode. Dr. Christina Madison, the public health pharmacist, and Todd Yuri, CEO of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, attend the HIMSS conference in Las Vegas and have the opportunity to interview several dynamic companies focused on healthcare information technology and its impact on better patient care. HIMSS is the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society, which is a global advisor, thought leader, and member association committed to transforming the health ecosystem. The HIMSS 2021 Global Conference was attended by more than 20,000 participants and offers a unique depth of expertise in health innovation, public policy, research, and analytics to advise leaders and influence on best practices in the modern healthcare delivery. Let's kick off the summary episode with Robert Cohen, president of APRES Health. APRIS Health provides proprietary data and analytics solutions to effectively and efficiently address safety, fraud, risk, and compliant issues for government and commercial enterprises worldwide.
2: My favorite part of the HIMSS 21 has been able to meet new technologists in the space um, that, that empower pharmacists, obviously. I mean, that's that's what we're doing. That's why we're here. I'm here with Robert Cohen. He's the president of APRIS. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's HIMSS 21 summary show thank you happy to be here so first of all let's talk about um, let's talk about the the company and your dedication to to healthcare, as well as how the pharmacist plays into uh, the usage of your platform, and give us also
3: an overview of what APRIS does. Sure. So APRIS Health, uh, our origins are really in prescription drug monitoring programs. We provide the lion's share of PDMPs across the country to help providers and pharmacists address uh, the the opioid uh, crisis. Very good. I was talking with,
2: um, with Grace Vinton of AC Communications before we were talking about behavioral health as well. That is such an important part of pharmacies' attention, especially when they're seeing their patients uh, 10, 9 times more than their primary care. How does, how does your technology play into um, the management?
3: And the uh, tracking of behavioral health needs of, of patients. Sure, so it's been an evolution for us. Originally, our goal as we worked, as we looked at those PDMPs, was to get that valuable information to the pharmacist in as efficient a way as possible. So we built out a system called PMP Gateway, which delivers that information directly into the pharmacy management system automatically. And so today we're integrated into every made, every national pharmacy chain, almost every independent pharmacy system vendor to reach the regionals and an independent and get them actionable insights and information as quickly as possible at the, at, right, at the retail, uh, right in the retail environment. We then expanded into looking at, okay, beyond that, how can we help get patients into treatment? And so we're forming networks across the country where we're exposing the availability of behavioral health treatment, both mental health and substance use disorder, inpatient and outpatient, to allow any provider, including a pharmacist, when they come across someone who might need help to actually find help for that person and very efficiently make a referral in real time to a location that they or a program that they know has space, uh, and then close the loop and understand that they showed up. Is Afris providing any flags to the physician
2: and pharmacist teams when they're um, showing that there may be an adverse drug reaction or something happening at the, um, at the, at the drug level? because of the way that you're tracking opioid prescribing, are you able to interconnect that through the software?
3: So in many of our customers, they've elected to use some of our risk scores, our patient risk scores. And when a controlled substance comes up for dispensation, our risk scores automatically feed into the pharmacy management system and are displayed for the pharmacist. It's important to understand these risk scores are nothing more than a call to action to the pharmacist to say, dive deeper. And the initial action to dive deeper is then to actually click that button to view the full patient controlled substance history, talk to the patient, view anything else about the patient, and then make their own decisions about what may be going on with the patient. Is that connected to a timing scale, uh, part of that risk score? So the risk score really follows the common sort of CDC guidelines and just is a little bit more advanced version of those guidelines. And it does look certainly at certain trends in opioid use or controlled substance use recent or certainly weighted more heavily than in the past. A variety of of things go into that. So how are you working with the states from a data perspective and what are you giving back to to the state organizations? So when we provide the PDMP for the state, we also provide them with a full business intelligence platform such that they can look at their data, understand trends in the opioid epidemic in different corners of the state, different geographies, things getting better or worse. How How do I look at those sorts of things? I like this because I'm thinking of Dan Schneider,
2: who was known as the pharmacist from the Netflix special that um, he did, the three or four-part series, and he was referencing um, uh, the ability to look at hot spots through a software system that he was using throughout the state of Louisiana. Are, is that another aspect of what you're able to provide a state, and as well as other pharmacy organizations, are you able to show hot hotspots within, uh, within a specific area of opioid prescribing?
3: Sure, absolutely. So the states can use it in a variety of different ways, and they do. They often respond to requests from the governor's office or others for specific looks. They give that data to the Department of Health sometimes uh, for detailed analyses, or they themselves are looking for those different trends. They could be geographical. They could be, like I said, sort of time-trending, different patient demographics. They can really look at the data any way they want. So
2: with the audience of pharmacists that we have, Lots of pharmacy owners, um, pharmacy directors in uh, pharmacies that are dedicated to our senior care. What can you tell them um, in in hope of the crisis that we're all in from a data perspective and and what you wanna tell them about uh, using your technology?
3: Yeah, sure. So the, the data's flowing better than it ever has before and it's flowing in a very consumable manner and allows them to interpret it very easily and very quickly. So that's all in the positive direction. It's one element of the crisis, obviously, uh, which is why we got into sort of the treatment networks and how we help get people into treatment. And we'll continue to innovate to look at other areas that we can help address. It takes a village, as they say, and there's there's no doubt about it. I would then to extend it to say what's interesting about the platform we've put in place in these pharmacies is that because we're delivering these actionable insights into the workflow, we can go beyond the opioid epidemic or behavioral health and actually deliver complete patient histories to pharmacists about uh sort of comorbidities or whatever it may be, we can prompt pharmacists there may be care gaps for a patient that they may be able to address. And this common trend of pharmacists as provider across the country. Average patient sees their, goes to the pharmacy 35 times a year. They see a physician four times a year. So pharmacists can play such a prominent role in population health and in value-based care. We think our platform can really help them and help enable them to do that. Robert,
2: I really appreciate the time that you've uh, spent with us, even though it was short. We'd like to have you back and actually have uh, Christina Madison. Dr. Madison is known as the public health pharmacist. She loves data, and she's been doing work here in Las Vegas um, with several uh, health systems as well as uh, health and human services for the state of Nevada. So we'll have to have you back with her.
3: We'll be happy to do that. Thanks for the time.
1: Todd Urey catches up with Jay Salton, a 25 year veteran of healthcare data management and the vice president of strategy with LexisNexis.
2: We're at the uh, HIMSS 2021 and if you're here, you have to be talking about data and you're talking about data and you don't have LexisNexis in the conversation, then you're probably talking to some of the wrong people. <laughs> Therefore, we have Jay Salton on who's been part of HIMSS now for over 20 years and has seen such evolution, not only in the venue, in the, in the event, but also where data is taking uh, our practices, where it's taking physician and pharmacist collaboration. Welcome to the uh, post-show, Jay, it's great to have you here.
4: I really appreciate this time, and I'm excited to talk to your audience about what exciting things are happening and changing uh, in the industry related to data. So first of all,
2: let's set the stage for your involvement in healthcare and healthcare IT. Tell us about LexisNexis and what you got involved and what you've seen changed over the last uh, 10 to 20 years.
4: LexisNexis Risk is a company that manages, collects, aggregates, and provides to our customer all types of different data sources. We work across numerous industries. We have a specific uh, part of the company, division of the company that focuses on healthcare. In healthcare, we primarily look to uh, improve people's lives by making data assets that we have available uh, 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 usable and, and put it into workflows and create the right insights from it that can be used to improve healthcare outcomes. And that's one of those phrases that everybody says. Oh, well, that's what I do too. But what really differentiates LexisNexis really is the size, the breadth, and the focus of our data sets. We have data that nobody else has because of how and where we get our data. We collect data from over 10,000 sources. We get data from you know all three credit bureaus. Uh, but but that's not really what gets exciting for healthcare. Although we use that data, we get data from over 10,000 different sources. A lot of which are government sources that we're the only ones who get the data. We also buy a lot of data from people within healthcare and aggregate it. We have one of the largest sets, for example, of de-identified claims. We have the largest socio-determinant of health uh, data sets in the in the world, and we use this data and create insights out of it to do everything from help people figure out how to target SDOH uh, to use the information we know about a physician's licensure and sanction status to enable the filling of a script in the pharmacy. Um, mo- almost all pharmacies. Uh, as one of the things they do just on every script basis is their system calls our system to check on the status of a physician and we keep, you know, near as perfect as we can get at data about the, again, licensure and and their DEA number and and all those kind of things. So we're probably much more involved and probably touching pharmacists more deeply than a lot would even realize because we're doing it behind the scenes.
2: With the pedigree of data collection over the years and the conditions, outcomes, things that you can show that are tangible, that you can use in other places, especially with specialists that focus on cancers, for example, I think of specialty pharmacists, and I see specialty pharmacy expanding what they're doing for the patient. It's not just about the medication anymore, it's about their payment ability, it's about predictive of what they're gonna feel like in 30 days and of, of treatment in 90 days in one year and so on. It's also about deficiency of vitamin. It's, it, nutraceuticals play a role. So with all that pedigree data, where do you see pharmacists' role going if they can access and use the data properly?
4: It's a great question and, and your audience doesn't need to be told the unique role pharmacists play as you know the most trusted source of care across the continuum the most accessible source of care and care information across the continuum. And really, to me, it's both an opportunity and a responsibility. Uh, A retail pharmacist is often the front line of healthcare for a patient. And the challenge we have as an industry, I think is largely tied to business models. The data's available, the data's available today to for example, make it so a pharmacist can know of all the patients they see on a monthly basis, what 50 or 200 have the greatest level of social determinative health risk. What 25 to 50 have the greatest likelihood of readmission because of changes that the data streams can see, Uh, both data streams within the pharmacy and data streams external to the pharmacy, can see about that patient patient's care and disease progression. What we have to do is we have to solve both a business problem and a technology problem. The technology problem says how do we package and organize the data effectively so that a pharmacist is able to use the data at the point of care or in those precious few moments they have that are not about point of care. They'd be thinking about, how do I be proactive? Of all of my customers, who are the 15 that I need to make a phone call to? Because that phone call could be a huge outcome in their life experience, their their mortality, their, their, their uh, experience of uh, uh, addressing their health care needs. So working on the very last mile of the information delivery systems, getting those integrated into the right workflow systems, creating the right analytics, that's a technology problem. The data's available, and I hope we can talk a little bit about, when I say the data's available today, it's true, but what's gonna be available five years from now, it's going to be almost hard to recognize because of where we are as an industry in the progression and use of data. But, but before we get there, I just want to make a second point answering your question. And that is about the other thing we need. So I said we need technology that delivers data in the right way for a pharmacist to use, stratifies it, summarizes it, provides accurate information, uh, provides it in context, provides insights. We also need business models. And the business models have to be, everybody says, oh, it's the payers, payers won't pay me for MTM. Of course, that's true. But we now have better coding, better infrastructure that allows us to articulate what we're doing. You know, Unlike five, 10 years ago, we now have pharmacists who are routinely billing medical codes for uh, uh, immunizations and stuff. And that uh, example kind of opens the door and starts knocking down some of the barriers to pharmacists being paid for MTM or digital therapeutic style interventions. Um, uh, and, and so, there obviously is a need to align the business models of the of the purchasers, the insurance companies, the employers, et cetera, because we already have good data about how effective a pharmacist can be as a vendor of information, as a vendor of education, and what kind of impacts that has on total cost of care, on ED avoidance, on all the things that we care about. But we also need to change the business model of the pharmacists themselves. Because today, pharmacy, better or worse, and I am not a pharmacist, I'm an outsider watching in, I'm a patient first and foremost. Uh, I know my retail pharmacist, the mandates they live under, under the organizations they work for, simply don't allow them to be able to do the kind of work we're talking about. And the reality is, you know, pharmacists, like everybody, should be practicing at the top of their license. If dispensing 10 extra uh, scripts in an hour is worth X dollars more to the pharmacy company themselves than uh, uh, dispensing MTM then of course, everybody's gonna do what the financial incentives are for. So we have to think about how we structure pharmacies, how we make better use of techs and mid-levels, so that we can find a business case within the pharmacy organization itself to be able to monetize and deliver these at scale, these interventions, this information at scale.
2: Jay, I like that. I want you to tell me as we were, before we were recording, talk to me about the fusion of legacy and the future of innovation. And, and the reason is is LexisNexis has been here for how long collecting this data and now we have digital therapeutics entering the, the realm prescribed by a physician but managed by a pharmacist ongoing for that specific disease state. Talk to us about that.
4: Well, you know, the relationship between the pharmacist, the specialty pharmacy, and, and, you know, you talked a moment ago about some of the ways that they play unique roles within the process. And one you left out I think is super important is patient engagement their role in actually getting a patient compliant with the therapy and motivating a patient and getting the data from the patient we need to measure outcomes. We shouldn't ever underestimate that. But the role between the pharmacist, the retail pharmacy, and the pharmaceutical manufacturers are obviously evolving. And what's driving the evolution is, one, technology, meaning you know, the ability to, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about kind of uh, personalized uh, uh, medications that are driven by an individual profile and are really just a 21st century version of what compounding was 100 years ago, to, to say something that you said. Uh, our ability to use technology to start tuning and tailoring uh, drugs, it sounds like Buck Rogers, it sounds like something that'll never scale, I'm absolutely convinced that when we are in the future looking back, we'll be surprised at how quickly those types of, you know, uh, uh, I, everybody attributed to Bill Gates, I don't know he's the original guy who said it, he says we always overestimate what we can do in one year, we always underestimate what we can do in ten. And I think in this area, the idea of using technology and data to drive pharmacological changes to what gets dispensed, I think that's going to be a profound area of change in the future, and one that everyone's going to struggle with. But it's going to, you know, like everything else, we'll figure it out, and it'll lead to a, a tremendous improvement. But in addition to the technology, the technology by itself won't work without the underlying data. LexisNexis is a data company, and our job is to try to create insights and deliver that data into the workflows in the right place. The key thing that's going to change, you know, if you're a leading-edge pharmacist saying, what's next? My answer to you is this. Have you heard about the 21st Century Cures Act? Have you heard about FIRE? Do you know what that is? Do you know what the patient access API is? More importantly, are you thinking about how this is going to change the industry, all of the industry, not just the pharmacy industry? Because we have lived for 40 years in an industry that had data locked up tightly in silos. For 20 of those 40 years, we have used the word interoperability," and we said, "Oh well, we've got this thing called CCD, and now that we have it, we've got HL7, and, and everything's going to get better. And today, our data silos are even worse, in my opinion, than they were 20 years ago. And so the government you know here comes the federal government to the rescue, right? But they did something really, really smart, in my view. They mandated a common standard. They mandated the adoption of use of the standard in a specific way that we will not only move the data, but we will be able to move the metadata and the context about the data in ways that are now mandated. The mandate on payers took effect a couple months ago as we're sitting here at Hims. The mandate for the EMRs and all the hospitals and physicians, that takes place in January of 23. And then, once people have fulfilled the mandate, they have the, these APIs available that can make all of this data, the best data set we've ever had in healthcare, available to us. Then we'll see people going beyond compliance. And the people, you know, I'll talk now about the pharmacies. The pharmacies who leverage this data, who aren't being compliant, they're taking advantage of the data that's available through getting their patients' consent, which is necessary for them to use this data, uh, or working through some of the TEFCA organizations, the QHINs that we're going to see coming up in future parts of of this legislation. But the combination of the QHINs and how pharmacies interact and play in the QHIN data streams with the ability of a pharmacy to get consent from a member and get this tremendous, fast longitudinal data set about about the patient, Those two things in combination are going to fundamentally change the idea that we will be living in a world where data is siloed, The data will be available. We live in a world where we have so much data available to us, the problem is figuring out how to organize it and how to find the parts of it we need to use. This is a transition that the banking and finance industry went through 20 years ago. We are in the middle of seeing that transition happen today and over the next five years.
2: Jay, this is exciting to be catching up with you. This has really set some seeds in the ground of uh, subject matter expertise and in usage of data. We want to have you back on the show and really open this up for pharmacists to understand not only their role, but actually how to leverage the data to get better patient outcomes.
4: Well, I would be delighted to talk with you guys anytime. You know, We are... Uh, uh, first and foremost advocates of the idea of data for good, right? I mean, it's it's our unofficial slogan. Uh, It drives our business. We make make decisions to forego money because it would be selling our data in a context where it's not for good. And we are full-throated advocates of the idea that as we as a healthcare industry use data better, all of us, the pharmacists, the hospitals, the patients, the members themselves, as we all start using data better and differently, we will do nothing but improve the health care system. And we can do this in ways that still address privacy, address business models, help people be financially secure, but lead us to better outcomes. That's why all of us get excited and get up and do the job we do today. And I really think we're at the beginning of a revolution in this area. Thank you, Jay. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Our next interview is with Vice President of Clinical Product Solutions, Dr. Colin Bannis, with Dr. First. Since 2000, Dr. First has pioneered healthcare technology solutions and consulting services that securely connect people at touch points of healthcare to improve patient outcomes.
2: Hey, we're here with Colin Bannis, the Chief Medical Officer at Dr. First, and we're at the HIMSS 2021 conference. Um, Colin, it's nice to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Dr. First is not uh, new to our pharmacy podcast nation. We really appreciated the time that Heidi spoke to us about um, workflow and how Dr. First plays into that with uh, Dr. Chris Antipas from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my hometown. Um, And I really wanted to have a conversation between you and Dr. Madison, who's been here with us the entire um, summary show for Hims, and really understanding the importance of how Dr. First helps pharmacists provide uh, better patient care. So I'm gonna turn things over to uh, Dr. Madison.
5: Absolutely. I'm so excited to learn more about uh, this platform and how it can engage more pharmacists to be able to provide direct patient care as we see more and more legislation being passed to allow pharmacists to provide um, preventative care, such as contraceptive services and um, sexual health, um, HIV prevention. Um, I think it's uh, imperative for us to be able to have a platform that works for us so that we can provide the best patient care possible and make healthier and happier communities.
2: So just to start off, um, Colin, could you kind of give us an idea right out the gate, um, the importance of Dr. First's uh, systems and programs and how this uh, accelerates and helps uh, pharmacists?
6: Sure thing. So I think Dr. First, um, we function like a 21-year-old startup, believe it or not. So we've been in the space for quite some time with a variety of innovative solutions. A lot of them focused around medication safety and medication management. And then within the last five years, the introduction of our backline platform, which was to allow better care collaboration and communication, and that's across all team members. So, um, and as you mentioned earlier, the team is, is, of course, expanding, uh, and the role of pharmacists is expanding uh, and is greatly needed. And so, the idea is to stitch together these solutions, these innovations that we've been able to forge ahead with over the past two decades, uh, and weave them together in such a way that there's a synergy and a, an overall improvement from those who are using it. And so, um, again, back to the idea of care collaboration and empowering clinicians and, of course, our pharmacist colleagues to be able to provide better care, to provide better uh, collaboration, to be able to use these tools like analytics, uh, like artificial or actually having been here for this week, I, I'm starting to replace artificial intelligence with augmented intelligence um, because we're never really going to be able to replace the the human, um, We the, the AI will not replace the human element, but it can certainly augment our workflow. And we have um, great success in the AI space with the way we can uh, aid in uh, medication management, whether that's through adherence programs, uh, patient engagement programs, and also uh, innovative things like um, data aggregation As in, when it comes to things like uh, patient compliance, patient day supply, uh, being able to predict which patients are going to need uh, more intervention. So it's an exciting time uh, for all clinicians, especially pharmacists.
2: And Dr. First is very proud to be part of that um, solution suite. So when you think of this, Dr. Madison, and how it can be applied to caring for populations who um, don't have as much healthcare services in their geographic area, how do you see Dr. First leveraging the technology to assist those areas of of our nation that don't have the healthcare services that they need, pharmacy deserts or um, you know, the, the, the places throughout the nation. I think of my own Western Pennsylvania in, in Fayette County, there's pockets that there's no healthcare service for 20, 30 miles away. Out here, it's probably sometimes even more sparse uh, from distance to distance, but how do you see technology um, you know, advancing and, and supporting the pharmacist?
5: Yeah, I mean, excellent question. I think, um, you know, if one thing, you know, that we've learned during this pandemic um, is that access and lack of access to care um, leads to poorer outcomes. And when we think about the use of telehealth and telemedicine and how that's really, um, you know, exploded during this time, I think, you know, having platforms like Dr. First and having those analytics and having that data to be able to support um, evidence-based medicine and good clinical care is just—it's—it's it's, you know the tip of the iceberg in us being able to um, really advance. Um, you know, our our profession advance um, our ability to um, address uh, health equity problems, address um, you know determinants of health. Uh, you know, my you know my big focus and something that I you know was able to do very early on in my career is you know home-based primary care, and I look at that now. Thinking, man, how antiquated that was, and how how many patients we potentially could have impacted in you know rural New Mexico where I did my training at a VA, where we could have easily been able to um, you know get some of that compliance information and that adherence data, and you know provide ninety day supplies and and be able to predict you know patients that maybe needed more assistance because they they lacked that um, you know direct access access to a healthcare provider. So I I just think the sky's the limit. And platforms like this are just the tip of the iceberg in our ability to really maximize and leverage technology to improve healthcare outcomes.
2: Uh, Colin, I'm fascinated by the thought of artificial intelligence being used in uh, patient monitoring, patient care, proactive follow-up. I think of Alexa, for example, starting to question um, the most chronic of patients in their home at 12 p.m. saying, hey, it's time for your 12 p.m. dose, and then if they don't uh, have a connection to some dis- little dispensing system in the home or some mechanism that tracks if, in fact, they took their meds, then all of a sudden the pharmacist three hours later gives a call to the patient and says, hey, you didn't take your med. So when I think of Smart Suite, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Dr. First's uh, use of, of artificial intelligence?
6: Yeah, I think that the biggest application that we have in the in the AI space is through uh, smart. And so when you hear Dr. First talk about smart, uh, whether it's smart Sig or smart Pharmacy or smart Drug, uh, all under that umbrella of the smart suite, it really is this uh, this notion, this this innovation that's been ten years of, in the making. And it is um, this particular AI is something that can help clean medication data. So if you think about um, data sources coming in from all over the place, whether it's claims data, whether it's dispense data. Some of that data is incomplete. Some of that data gets transformed along the way. Some of that data drops off. Uh, and we need to bring it into our systems, whether it's EMRs or other things. We need to bring it in in a way that's safe and in a way that's consumable. Um, interoperability is kind of pointless if it's not semantic. In other words, you know, moving uh, payloads of data from A to B doesn't really do much unless when the, when the data gets to point B, you can actually do something with it. And so SMART is, is that, that cleansing layer, that AI layer, that can help make sure that the data is consumable, make sure that it is complete. In fact, when we talk about SMART at Dr. First, we, talk, we always talk about the three Cs, if, if you've ever heard us. Um, and we're very proud of this, this uh, innovation. It's actually patented. We talk about data that is complete, clean, and consumable. And that's the idea behind SMART, is making sure that the clinician, the pharmacist, or the or the farm tech, nurse, uh, doctor, anyone who's you know, doing medication reconciliation, for example, needs complete, clean, and consumable data to do that. And when you get something like MedRec incorrect, that's when people get hurt, and those data, those those errors can perpetuate. That's that that prescribing cascade uh, that really um, patient safety is dependent upon uh, perfect data. And so Smart is that layer that that really um, intends to make sure that the data is perfect and safe. And we have applications for pretty much anywhere you can think of medication data uh, lifecycle. We have an application for SMART uh, in that space. It's pretty remarkable stuff. It's one of the th- one of the things I'm very proud to work on at Dr. First.
2: We're excited about um, you being part of the network already and have done some additional shows i really want to dive into smart additionally so pharmacy podcast listeners uh be sure to uh, be subscribed to the show um come back for additional doctor first features and i want to thank um uh christina and and colin for being here today hey thank you so much for having me it's been it's been a blast
5: always a pleasure
1: and now let's listen into a terrific conversation with Dr. Christina Madison and Dr. Tina Cohen, IBM Micromedics Chief Pharmacy Officer. IBM Micromedics is an evidence-based information resource that leverages cloud, automation, and industry-leading artificial intelligence to improve efficiency and elevate
2: care experiences. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, we are here with Dr. Tina Moen with IBM Watson. IBM Watson will be doing a four-part series on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We can't wait to get started. So this is a preview into IBM Watson and their role in the pharmacy sector of healthcare. Dr. Christina Madison, you've been here with me this entire time. It's been so good to have you um, part of this uh, HIMSS event.
5: Absolutely. We've had you know, such an amazing uh, you know, opportunity to speak to the leading uh, industry um, individuals on IT and digital health, and I'm just so excited to be with you today.
2: We're excited to have Dr. Tina Moen here with us. Um, Dr. Moen, tell us first of all a little bit about yourself and why you wanted to become a pharmacist.
7: Fantastic question, thanks for having me, it's a pleasure. Uh, why I wanted to become a pharmacist, it's a, it's a long story but it stems around my dad, um, a daddy's girl by uh, nature and he wanted to be a pharmacist and he ended up going to Vietnam and being a military, career military guy um, instead, also important role. And so to make him proud, I went into pharmacy school. And funny part of the story is when I would come home from uh, the, the year, he would read my books. So the, the most impressive of which, he read the Organic Chemistry book. Um, so so I'm, I'm here to honor my dad in this career.
2: So tell us about the transition from um, what everybody probably thinks of as that traditional pharmacy role community pharmacy or long-term care senior care and then your enter into technology and then being a member of IBM Watson.
7: Yeah, so my career, like many, when they've gotten to be as long as mine, has taken lots of different turns, started as a clinical pharmacist in inpatient uh, pediatrics, did some time in home care, uh, did some time in retail, specialty pharmacy, kind of jumping around trying to find the thing that spoke to my heart, and I eventually landed in health tech, and I think that marriage of clinical and business really um, spoke to the caregiver in me. I think all all healthcare professionals have a caregiver uh, nature. And being able to marry uh, the business piece and have an impact on many more patients than I could individually really spoke to me. So that that transition was 20 years ago now, I've been in health tech. And I think I I find my sense of purpose in helping take care of people via technology through uh, different partners that we work with.
2: So let's jump into this. IBM Watson, It's when I first learned about your organization, I found you through LinkedIn and I started following you on Twitter and I started realizing, holy cow, there are facets and, and departments within IBM Watson that I would have never known about, especially your depth in healthcare. So what role and how are you tapping into the pharmacy sector of healthcare and what does it mean for our listeners and, um, and our partners?
7: Yeah, great question. So the the predominant place that IBM Watson Health plays in pharmacy is with the Micromedics business. So Micromedics is a a well-known name in pharmacy of drug and disease, toxicology, patient education. So that's a part of the IBM Watson Health portfolio. Um, so, So huge footprints across both the United States pharmacy space as well as in 80 countries around the world. In addition to that, different pieces of Watson Health have pharmacy assets, if you will. So if you think about our provider analytics, um, provider being the health system on a global level, in there are analytics that are specific to pharmacy or more importantly, how I like to phrase it, is specific to medications. Um, So take the pharmacy out of it because everybody in a health system cares about medications, the physicians, the nurses, the administration, the patients. So if you think about medication management, there's pieces of medication management that happen within IBM Watson Health's payer division, within their government division, uh, within the life science division, of course, a huge um, impact on um, the the medications to come. So thinking about rather than pharmacy, the career per se, but medications on a more global level, there's pieces of um, uh, intellectual property across IBM Watson Health that relate to medications across the board.
2: Dr. Madison, when I think of public health, uh, you know, as a as a term, and then you've taught me so much about it from a micro perspective, but what Dr. Moen just said is analytics from that macro view and how important that is for a public health pharmacist to have that insight. What what kind of data do you look at when you start looking at communities? What's important to you? Especially you and I have had off offshoot conversations about the pandemic, but how important is that to uh, you and public health pharmacists?
5: Absolutely, so one thing I will say, and I'm extremely excited to, uh, to meet you and to hear more about what IBM Watson is doing is that data is, is king right? Like when you have that in your arsenal, uh, it so helps. And and especially when we think about population health, right? And we think about epidemiologic trends. And, you know, if we're thinking about the health and wellness, not just of, you know, individuals, but when we think about it based on a community, right? And so one of the things that is a determining factor of how well or healthy you are is actually your zip code. And when we are able to get down to that market, micro level and find out, you know, what are the barriers to care, what is leading to some of these health disparities and inequities, that's really the crux of how we improve public health. So I'm super excited to hear about what IBM Watson is doing and, and really thinking about it from the fact that you talked about micromedics. I use micromedics all the time um, from a drug-drug interactions standpoint. Um, I look at it from an adverse effects profile um, and, you know, with me working in communicable diseases, you know, most so much of what we do is, you know, using medication in order to cure and prevent transmission of disease. And so I think understanding the data analytics and and maybe even looking at this from AI and an adherence standpoint when we talk about uh, HIV medications and how that can be used as treatment as prevention. I mean, it's just the sky's the limit. So thank you so much for what you're doing.
2: So let's open up to that, um, Dr. Mo, and tell our listeners, the pharmacists out there, I kind of categorize pharmacy into little buckets. I say specialty pharmacy, community, uh, long-term care, senior care, hospital system pharmacy, compounding, then we have our mixed bags uh, that that kind of mix a little bit of that into everything, as well as like our medical science liaisons. where does micromedics play and which of those sectors seem to be um, growing more so than others? And um, you know, Dr. Madison just mentioned even using micromedics, what pharmacist out there needs to be aware of the technologies that you guys are providing?
7: All of them. So I think a couple of things um, come to mind. First of all, your points about data very, very much agree. Uh, there's so much data, first of all, that we collect. Um, certainly in healthcare, um, but just as human beings as well, speaking to the social determinants of health angle, that we collect it, but then what? It just sits somewhere, or sometimes we have some high-level analytics on it, but that, I think, I think the, the place we're moving into is that being able to combine data sets, apply some AI on top of that, and understand insights that live in that data today that are just so hard for us to get to. Um, so super excited about that myself, um, both from public health, but also down to the individual individual patient level of uh, how do how do my how does my healthcare team take better care of me um, based on all the data that's been collected on me over the span of my lifetime. So super excited about the data piece as well. Um, to your question around uh, what what the pharmacist needs to know about, I think there's so so all of those sectors of pharmacy that you spoke to have the same. Um, need for assets like micromedics. There's so much information out there right now on um, from medical literature, um, certainly package inserts coming out from FDA warnings, et cetera, et cetera, that's just impossible to keep up with. And back in the day, and when I started in pharmacy, we would have our lab coats laden down with books, (laughs) or we would go to the medical library in the hospital and have to research things if, you know, a patient couldn't take a certain uh, medication or needed, um, you know, some special, assistance um, and now that's in our in our, in our this generation is all technology and it's at your fingertips um, but that breadth of information is sometimes hard still hard to find Um, So, technologies like ours, it's our responsibility to, first of all, cover that breadth of information and have the best of the available literature referenced and available, so that when somebody has a question who's taking care of a patient, um, they can find it easily, they can apply the logic to their patient situation, um, and in that real-time setting where they're standing next to the bed and need to make a recommendation to a physician or or what have you. and that, and that happens in every, whether it's specialty or home care, there, there's questions for every clinician type, not just pharmacy, around medications, around um, is this the right medication for this particular disease state, or how do I help counsel this patient on how to best take care of themselves and, and take this medication. So the, the need for um, tools like Micromedics has been around for years. Micromedics is a 45-year-old company, um, and it will be around for for years. It's how it's served up is what's evolved, and and that's what we uh, aim to evolve with.
2: We're looking forward to this series coming out. I want to give a shout-out to your team member, Jessica, for being such a... Uh, an amazing project manager and, and my right hand in this series that's coming. But I want uh, everyone to pay attention. In the show notes, we will have access to uh, more information on IBM Watson and Micromedics. Uh, please stay tuned for the series that's coming out. Uh, Dr. Mowen, um, uh, Dr. Madison, thank you so much for being part of this um, HIMSS 21 uh, summary show.
7: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
5: My pleasure.
1: Our next interview is with
2: Mike Vidmar, Director of Sales,
1: and Casey Pittock, the CEO of Smart Meter. Smart Meter is a remote patient monitoring device and technology company that enables personalized patient care and better outcomes through comprehensive end-to-end solutions for reimbursable, real-time monitoring for chronic conditions.
2: Hey, we're here at HIMSS 21 with the Smart Meter team. I want to introduce Casey Pittock, the CEO of Smart Meter. Uh, Hello. Thank you, Todd. Nice to be here. Thank you. And Mike Vidmar. He's the director of sales of Smart Meter. Hi, Todd. Thank you for having
0: us and uh, look forward to our our
2: discussion. This one is something that Dr. Madison and I are excited about because consultant pharmacy, community pharmacy, and what you do from a technology perspective is really important. Uh, Dr. Madison, share with our listeners a little bit of your understanding of how this technology could really help a community pharmacy.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think that the number one thing that I've learned um, thus far is that you know remote modeling is really the model of the future. And as you know, we see during this pandemic, it has been more and more difficult for patients to get to their primary care provider. And so the pharmacist is one of the you know most accessible healthcare professionals can really aid in managing chronic disease uh, states. Um, in order to be able to do this, and you know having that real time information. And and the fact that it's, I believe, Bluetooth enabled um, is uh, cellular, excuse me, cellular enabled um, really is helpful, especially in rural areas where they may not have um, access to broadband internet. Um, They can go in, they can uh, test. Apparently, it stores a a large amount of data. So, you know, all of these things combined, I think, really uh, helps them to be at the forefront to uh, having pharmacists uh, really facilitate better patient outcomes.
2: Casey, give us an overview of the smart meter technologies and how
8: you're working with uh, community pharmacies. Sure, Thank, thanks, Todd. And yeah, as, as Christina said, we have a very simple solution for patients to use in the home. It's uh, enabled with cellular. We have a glucometer that uh, allows a diabetic to do a simple test and the information is sent via cellular right to through our cloud to wherever it needs to go, to the pharmacy, to a healthcare plan, to a physician, and so on. We have the same with a scale and with a blood pressure device, all enabled with cellular. Mike, you and I were talking before, um, before the interview,
2: and you were kind of sharing with, uh, with us about some of your community pharmacy customers. Um, tell our listeners about uh, your experience with community pharmacy.
0: Yeah, we, some of our, our best programs that we have are with pharmacy and clinical pharmacists. Um, they're able to look at, they're in a unique position for remote patient monitoring. Due to the fact that we can provide them with the biometric data from, um, from scales and from blood pressure, along with glucose data, and then it's combined with the RX data giving the pharmacist a really unique look at the, at, the, at the patient to make therapeutic adjustments. One of the things that we were able to do with our program and they, that they like is that within, within 30 days, they're gonna know who's, who is testing, who's not testing, who has critical readings, who's, and who has very, very high averages, whether it's uh, you know, with, through blood, uh, blood pressure readings and through glucose readings. And so those pharmacists are, uh, we think, are in, a, in one of the best positions for remote patient monitoring.
2: I also understand that in remote locations where Internet connectivity is an issue, the device will store up to how many um, tests before it, like, uploads to the, to the,
8: what, the EHR? Right. So with, with our glucometer, we can store up to 400 readings. And so if someone is out of cellular range... Uh, which can happen, it's not very common, but if if they are out of range, then they can go to a spot in town, (laughs) wherever that may be, and it will automatically upload those readings. And keep in mind, the patient can actually see the readings on the device itself. So if they are, are having some issue with cellular in those rare instances, they still do see the reading right there on the spot.
2: Christina, when I think of disease state management, where do you see this as kind of the powerful tool in, in what you're doing in, in public health, as well as teaching future pharmacists how to leverage such technology.
5: Yeah, excellent question. I think um, it's more of like a two-pronged approach. I think um, obviously from a public health standpoint, we really are focused at the preventative care side, and so I could see this, uh, you know, really being, um, you know, aptly used for people who are maybe pre-diabetic or people who are kind of on the fence of like maybe um, pre-hypertensive, uh, maybe somebody who is in the obese category and kind of going down that road that they may potentially um, have some chronic disease. Diseases, um, developing uh, over time, and that this, you know, because it gives them real-time data, could really help them to manage, uh, you know, some of those lifestyle modifications in order to make those adjustments in order to not have those um, disease states develop. And then also from a chronic disease prevention standpoint, uh, obviously we know that you know everyone has uh, you know different transportation issues um, and and reasons why they may not be able to to get access to their primary care provider. So I think the fact that this can be done in the home and that it can be monitored remotely is really helpful when we think about access to care and we think about healthcare equity, uh, which is also a very important part of public health and uh, managing our vulnerable populations.
2: Casey, who's your primary uh, targeted consumer from the provider perspective? Who are you engaging?
8: Um, is it the hospital systems? Is it primary care? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Todd. So for us, Smart Meter is a foundational infrastructure supplier to the entire remote patient monitoring industry. So we have a wonderful data platform that captures these clinical readings from our eye glucose glucometer, from the eye blood pressure, blood pressure device, and the eye scale. All that information flows through our platform. We then push it out to our, our customer base, which includes healthcare systems. It includes RPM companies that are promoting RPM. It includes physician practices, and importantly, includes the clinical pharmacists as well. Mike, I want to do a follow up with you
2: because of your relationship with community pharmacies and, and really uh, featuring them as um, as someone that can talk to the rest of our listener base, which are, once again, primarily pharmacies. We have a huge community pharmacy listener base. Uh, we have a show that's dedicated to uh, community pharmacies called Pharmacy Crossroads with Bruce Nealon. So we're gonna have to invite you back to that show.
0: I would, would welcome that. I think, I think as, as we're learning along with the clinical pharmacists on how to best manage the patients, and we would look forward to, to having that discussion and, and getting in more depth about that because there's a lot of proven clinical outcomes that are being done right now with uh, remote patient monitoring and RX ther- therapeutics. Excellent. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Dr.
1: Madison and Todd Yuri caught up with Nick Potts, the CEO and co-founder of Gift Health.
2: Hey, we're here with Gift Health uh, at the HIMSS 21 conference in Las Vegas and I am here with the one and only Nick Potts. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for having me. So I've been talking with Dr. Christina Madison about um, a multitude of different technologies, artificial intelligence, uh, electronic health records, integration between pharmacy and health system. I wanted to get her in a conversation with you, Nick, because I really wanted you to kind of show and and give examples of what GIFT is doing to um, minimize that gap between providers and patients. So um, with that, I'm I'm going to turn it over to you and and Christina to to really talk that through because we're very curious about GIFT.
9: Um, So what Gift Health is, think of us as a prescription access technology company. So we have a non-dispensing pharmacy where prescriptions can be sent to our platform. I call it our prescription brain. And then we help the patient find the best price and better access to that prescription. And then on the back end, we partner with pharmacies across the nation that will offer free delivery, offer that really enhanced white glove service for the patient, and then From the patient's perspective, it removes a lot of the complexity of going into your local pharmacy, not knowing what it's going to cost, you don't know if they have the inventory, you may not understand whether they offer you prescription delivery or not, if it's shipping same day, all of that. Um, on the physician side, what f- our physicians par- physician partners love about our platform is we drive down the callbacks you would get on a prescription. So typically if you write a prescription, especially if it's a specialty med, you'll get a lot of calls from maybe the patient, the pharmacist, the pharmacy technician. Um, we now have data in a case study that we have driven down callbacks for physicians by 70% if it's sent to our platform. Uh, because it's kind of a combination of me working at Cover My Meds, understanding prior authorizations really well, building script drop, knowing the PBM space really well, and we just want to make it easier to get the prescriptions you need to live a healthy life.
5: Uh, I think that that is just an amazing and admirable way to deliver healthcare. And as somebody who uh, you know deals a lot with you know things that are very time sensitive, right? So I'll give you an example Um, from a public health standpoint. You know, we are in the midst of a public health crisis when it comes to sexually transmitted infections. And we know that the quicker we can treat and cure um, someone, the less likely they are to transmit it to someone else. And so I see this as, you know, a potential, uh, you know, bridge for, you know, those vulnerable populations that, you know, first and foremost uh, may not feel comfortable going into the pharmacy because of, you know, stigma or anything else, but then also the fact that they can get it um, quickly and then securely delivered to their own home. And that really helps with that uh, sense of feeling like, you know, they have that confidentiality. So I think this is an amazing service and I'm really excited to learn um, that there's technology out there that can be helpful in really tackling some of these epidemics that we know are uh, facing our country. right now.
2: Nick, um, Dr. Madison has experience in infectious disease, specifically HIV. Specialty medications have a lot more complexities to them in management, um, not only from a payer perspective, but um, ongoing um, treatment. Uh, What is GIF doing in the specialty space specifically? Uh,
9: We recently partnered with a pharma manufacturer uh, in the specialty space. Um, Can't say them yet publicly. Uh, they, we worked with them on adding new software, new features to our core platform and we've driven up their fill rate by 280%. And this is a prep medication that patients need to get diagnostic testing. So that kind of can narrow it down a little bit for you. Um, and if they do not get the medication ahead of time, you can't discover the issues that may be invading their body and such. So driving up the fill rate by 280% is, it, we're so excited that you can you know, detect cancer earlier and all these things if you get on therapy when you should. Um, So, essentially, our platform is all-encompassing. We can handle all medications, and then we add new features based on the disease state and the complexities of that specialty medication to make sure that each patient gets an experience that feels really customized to their situation.
5: I really love the fact that you called it white glove service. Um, as somebody who lives and works in Las Vegas, uh, we we do uh, uh, you know a lot to give that uh, you know concierge VIP level service, and so I think that's an amazing uh, feature of your company. I would also just say that you know thinking about things within the preventative care space, uh, I think it's super important that we continue to promote preventative care services, especially because we saw such a decline in those services being done because of the pandemic. We saw a decline in pediatric vaccination rates because people weren't going for pediatric well visits. We saw a decline in early detection of cancers. We saw a decline in um, people coming in for checkups that could have detected that diabetes diagnosis or that hypertension diagnosis. And so uh, anything that we can do that can streamline the process and help patients access those preventative care services will not only decrease overall costs in the healthcare system, but really translate to better outcomes and health and wellness for our patients.
2: Nick, we're excited that you got to participate in the summary show for Hims 21. I'm headed over to Cincinnati over the next several months to visit you at your corporate headquarters. It's about a three and a half, four hour drive for me. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, really
9: excited to host you in town. It'll be uh, fun. Um, can kind of update you on some new progress as well,
2: which we're excited to start talking about publicly. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, you heard it here with uh, Nick Potts, CEO of Gift Health and stay on the lookout for an upcoming podcast featuring Gift Health. And thank you for listening.
1: Director of Product Innovation with SureScripts, Michelle Trombetta talks with Todd Yuri and Dr. Madison about the industrial strength health information network designed to increase patient safety, lower costs, and improve quality care.
2: We're here with Michelle Trombetta. She is the Director of Product Innovation with SureScripts. This is HIMSS 21. It's nice to be back at conferences, Michelle. How are you?
10: I'm doing great. It is good to see 3D humans. Uh, It's been a great conference.
2: Also with us is Dr. Christina Madison, known as the public health pharmacist. So glad that you're here with us, Christina.
5: Absolutely. It's so fantastic to put a face with the name and the legend that is Todd Urey.
2: Oh, boy. All right. So we were talking with Michelle yesterday, and I really wanted to dive in. SureScript's been a very important partner of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You have a podcast called the Unscripted Podcast. And we were talking about some of the newer technologies, new partnerships, and some of the innovation, and what better person to talk with, Michelle, than Director of Product Innovation. So give us an overview of what you're most excited about in, in displaying here at HIMSS, and then also uh, what's, what, what you're working on, what your focus is right now.
10: I have the honor of serving as the director of product innovation for the Real Time Prescription Benefit product, which is the service that provides price transparency to prescribers as well as pharmacists. And I was so excited to have the opportunity to lead this product and what it does for healthcare. Being able to arm Providers and pharmacists with the price of a medication, alternatives that may be available, different, uh, different ways of lowering the price for a patient, whether that's an increased day supply or a different uh, alternative, is such a powerful way to drive medication adherence and out, uh, better outcomes for patients nationwide
2: the sure scripts focus on specific sectors of pharmacy. I remember Cecilia Byers doing a segment specific to specialty. Is this pricing strategy product, the innovation that you put into this? Do you concentrate on specific sectors of pharmacy or are you doing this for long-term care, community, specialty, you know, is it is it is it across the board?
10: It's it's really across the board. The pharmacy offering is the newest real-time prescription benefit offering. We've been in the prescriber space for three years, just about. And we just launched the pharmacy space about a year ago. And we're still growing the network and working with pharmacists, uh, whether that's community pharmacies or retail pharmacies, uh, to really understand their pain points and how a price transparency tool can help them deliver better care and have uh, improved conversations with their customers and their patients. And as we grow, we're not in the specialty market yet, but we're exploring and working with specialty pharmacies on what is it that would make this service something that you would want to have in your space Put in your workflow, and how would that improve the your ability to care for the the most vulnerable patients? Honestly, you know those who are requiring specialty medications. I would just like to say that I'm I'm so grateful that.
5: You know, SureScripts is, is prioritizing this as someone who cares for vulnerable populations and the underserved. It is imperative that we don't put unnecessary barriers in front of patients that would, you know, impact their care, which oftentimes is the financial aspect. Um, the other part of this, too, is understanding what alternatives may be available that may be um, as good um, as what maybe the prescriber has has um, decided to provide the patient and just understanding that those options are available I think is just really important for um, for everyone that's part of the healthcare system and ultimately that the end user, the patient, um, is getting the best possible care.
2: I don't think as technologists, as sales business development marketers, sometimes we overlook what we're all here for and the fact that it's about the patient. And having people like Dr. Madison on our team who focuses on public health constantly brings that back to center. When we're here, as we've been meeting with a bunch of different companies throughout the conference, Dr. Madison well has always brought that to light where we're, she's asking those questions you know, how is this impacting the care that we're actually providing based on the um, confusion? That we're all experiencing in this pandemic, but then beyond that, general care that, that's necessary that doesn't stop just because we're in a pandemic. One of the challenges I remember when I was in pharmacy technology, I was uh, selling pharmacy management systems for institutional pharmacy, was getting the right information from the provider's EHR system. How are you working with uh, some of the larger EHRs or really any of the EHRs?
10: The real-time prescription benefit product, the SureScript product for Price Transparency, is currently being used by over 500,000 providers nationwide, Uh, and that number continues to grow. Clearly, our goal is to get this into the hands of every prescriber, and what it does is give the prescriber the ability to have the conversation with with a patient prior to getting to the pharmacy either reduce sticker shock, or prepare for the sticker shock. You know, is this something that you're gonna be able to afford? Uh, is there anything we can do? And then you could start exploring potentially other options, whether it's uh, med- uh, alternatives, or different programs that may be there. But uh, you know, the end users, the, the, fr- the prescribers, have been really positive in sharing the power of this, And as we bring this over into the pharmacy and we start growing this in the pharmacy, if the prescriber either wasn't able to have the conversation or circumstances changed between the doctor's office and whatnot, the pharmacist is now armed with this information. Whether it's price, whether it's alternatives, whether it is the different coverage rules that exist, uh, those will be in the service as well. And uh, those are very powerful things that the pharmacist needs in order to have that more uh, close, intimate uh, conversation with their patient to get them on the therapy.
2: Michelle, I appreciate you participating in our uh, summary show uh, for Hims 21. Uh, we're looking forward to other podcasts that we're going to be doing with the Unscripted team. Is there anything that you wanted to share with listeners uh, in closing?
10: We are continuing to uh, really dig in and understand patients and what they need and pharmacists and what they need, and I want to encourage everyone to reach out. Reach out to, to me on LinkedIn. Reach out to help us understand how we can make these services even better, what features functionality uh, are needed in order to properly arm a patient's care team to ensure that price is not the barrier for them seeking care, for them adhering with their uh, with their care and getting the medical outcomes that we all want them to have—the you know the positive medical experience.
2: Michelle, thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the summary episode of the HIMSS 2021 Global Conference. Join us next year in Orlando, Florida for the HIMSS 2022 gathering of the world's most influential healthcare information technology professionals.